Welcome to Trigger Talk Radio with your host, Dick Kupke. From handguns to rifles and hunting to self-defense, even a bit of politics. It's time to exercise your First and Second Amendment rights. Call and join the conversation, 734-822-1600. And now, your host, Dick Kupke. Well, good morning and welcome back to Trigger Talk. Here we are. It is November 4th, so we are in the month, weeks away only from a start of firearm season, or maybe you've been out there with archery already. Hey, what's that? I hear something. Okay, what could that be? I'm... Yeah, I can actually sing this song, you know, but I'm not going to do that. Let's see. I think we got limericks or lyrics with it. Let's listen. Ah, hail to our local and black. Hail. How many of you guys hear those sousaphones in the background? That's what I marched with. In the Purdue Band. In Michigan Stadium in 1975. Oh, man. This is, and and Derek and I are having such a, we're talking here. I mean, this is like a real true rivalry, I feel, with Derek, okay? Although he says it's a little bit one-sided, and I kind of get that. So, um, yeah, what do you think, Derek? What's going to happen tonight? I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I think the Purdue Boilermakers are going to get manhandled tonight by Michigan with all the sign-stealing allegations against the Michigan football program. I think the Wolverines are going to come out pissed off and just steamroll the Boilermakers. (laughs) I think Blake Corum is going to have a huge game running the ball, and J.J. McCarthy is going to continue to just tear up the opposing secondaries that he's faced all season. Yeah, I want to say, given its merits of just the game, um, yeah, I understand that. Now, I do recall, uh, and by the way, folks, that that was the Purdue Marching Band, uh, and that is the Purdue, the Hail Purdue, uh, when we do Hail Purdue PSP, which is uh, placing play. And it um, and the sousaphones, actually, when the band all sings, the sousaphones get to play, the senior sousaphones for that year get to play the, the um tuba or sousaphone solo along it. That's what I did. So a lot of fun. Um, and I'm wearing, uh, I'm, uh, what am I wearing, Derek? You're wearing a Purdue polo shirt. <laughs> and I have my Purdue alumni band jacket on, or it's in the, I wore it in. Uh, yeah, a lot of fun. And, and if you drove by my house, you would see a Purdue flag out on the, um, out on the front porch. So at any rate, um, a lot of lot of fun with this game, and they and I gotta say, I used to love it every year. Every year in the first weekend of of November, Purdue played Notre Dame, either here or down in in West Lafayette, and uh, that's matter of fact, that's the whole reason I'm up here in in Michigan because um, my parents' best friends. Uh, who were in the Navy with my dad when they were, um, my dad was in um, in Japan. I was born in Japan. And the next door neighbors, Jack and Edie Pelton, were from uh, 
were from Ann Arbor. And that was a true rivalry and love of the game and, and just fun thing that we had for many, many years. And actually, I, uh, I uh, met my, my, my starter wife, <laughs> my first wife, um, when I was up for a uh, Purdue game in 1972, I think it was. So um, at any rate, um, uh, I really have a, a, a fond affection for Michigan and Ann Arbor and stuff like that, and that's because I moved up here because of, of the rivalry and stuff of the game. I, I went back down to Purdue to, to, um, <laughs> to graduate and stuff like that, but I, I, I still have that feeling. And I was so upset when they changed us to the, what is it, the, the legends and leaders or something, Derek? Yeah, well, it's just the East and West now, but it used to be Legends and Leaders divisions. Yeah. Are they going to add a third division? They're going to have uh, East and West and Cheaters now? <laughs> Actually, they're going <laughs> to abolish the divisions. <laughs> oh, and, well. and, and, and the way it's going to work now, the top two teams in the Big Ten at the end of the season will play in the Big Ten championship okay. game. Okay, instead of being two separate leagues within it. Okay. So anyway... I, I know that, uh, uh, gosh, I was up listening last night when Connor Stallions resigned. Uh, they announced it at like 1030 last night. thought maybe what they'll do is they'll suspend Harbaugh for the game and make him play the fourth string against Purdue. That would be great. Yes, then that would be a good. <laughs> that won't happen, will it, Derek? No, unfortunately, you've <laughs> got to go up against all, all these star players for Michigan. And uh, I should mention, 19 Michigan players are projected to be National Football League draft picks. Wow. So it's going to be a buzzsaw Purdue going <laughs> up against. We'll have to see. Now, there have been exceptions to that. I, I know this is not football talk. This is trigger talk. But uh, there have been exceptions. In 1976, Michigan was number one in the country. And they came down to West Lafayette. And I was marching in the band at that time. And, uh, and we won. Uh, 16 to 14 with a missed field goal at the end of the game by Michigan. Um, and then what was the other one when Drew Brees led him? That was back in 2000 when Michigan was led by Drew Henson at quarterback, and Michigan was ahead 28 to 10 at halftime, and Purdue ended up winning by one point. It was 32 31. Yep. So it can happen. It can happen. So uh, once every several decades, maybe. <laughs> But we'll see what happens tonight. I'll be watching. Uh, let's see. Our normal stuff for tonight. Gosh, lots of gun shows. We got the Nagani Knife and Gun Show. Um, I always remember Sonny Elliott from uh, from Channel 4. Nagani, Michigan. And the temperature in Nagani, Michigan is such and such. Nagani, that's an old Indian word that means we will serve no wine before it's time. <laughs> that was Sonny Elliott. I, if you ever remember Sonny Elliott, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, the WKCC State Line Knife Show in, gun, uh, in Dundee, Michigan. The Gaylord Two-Day Gun and Knife Show yesterday and to, or, or, yeah, today and tomorrow in uh, Gaylord. The Houghton Lake Gun and Knife Show in, uh, at the Northern Center. The Old Time Gun Show at the Knights of Columbus in Monroe. Uh, Ohio, we got the Gun and Knife Show and Sportsman Show at the Knott County Sportsman Complex in Laverne, Kentucky. Must be on the state line there. The uh, East Canton Gun Show. 
the Tri-State Gun Show. Gosh, there's so many of these things. You'd think that maybe people are getting ready for something like hunting season or something. Uh, this, or actually, we'll talk about this. There are some other reasons that people are gunning up. Uh, let's see, the uh, Cincinnati Gun and Knife Show, the Warren Niles Gun and Knife Show in Warren, Ohio, the Toledo Militaria Show in Perrysburg. Now, Perrysburg is a cool place because that's where Camp Perry is. Uh, any of you have ever gone down for... Um, um, some of their uh, rifle matches in the summertime, but also their um, uh, CMP, the Civilian Marksmanship Program, is down there where you can go down and buy um, old, like, surplus grands, and sometimes they have some carbines, but it depends. But they have ammunition and other military surplus things. Uh, the Let's see. Ohio, they also, no, let's see, now we're in uh, Missouri with the Warsaw Gun and Knife Show in Warsaw, Missouri, the Christian County Gun Show in Nixa, Missouri, the Veteran Gun and Knife Show in Springfield, Mo, and the Belleville Gun and Knife Show in Belleville, Illinois. Uh, let's see, Arkansas, Kansas, let's see, uh, Arizona, we have got the uh, the Verde Valley Fairgrounds, the Cottonwood Collectible Gun collectibles and firearms show and the fountain hills gun show i've actually spent some time in fountain hills out there and there and i flew out there uh many many years ago uh you know bonanza i i took it out there so uh let's see the crossroads tucson gun and knife show in tucson and the murphy's yuma gun knife show in yuma arizona so that's it uh we've got new numbers for the cpls this month and try her darndest uh gretchen whitmer and dana nessel have not been able to keep the numbers from going up we're up 2,700 new ones this year, this month, 2,745 to 818,004, okay? However, they're, they're still trying to keep us down because they, they've actually gone up by 437 of uh, 6,411 pendings. There's no excuse for that in this day and age other than just dragging your feet. And uh, I, I get a kick because uh, MCRGO made an excuse for him. Well, during the summer, there's less training and there's less. No, they're slow walking them. Go back a few years and notice that there were uh, 500 or 1,000 pending 10 years ago. Now there's 6,000, 6,411 pending. Really makes me angry. Uh, don't forget the gun raffle uh, for the Shriners that's coming up in February. There's plenty of time to talk about that. Um, had fun this past week. On, uh, my friend Don and I went to um, the uh, Tri-County Sportsman's League Friends of the NRA dinner, had an outstanding dinner, uh, played a lot of games, and made a lot of contributions. Uh, didn't win anything, <laughs> but but it was fun. Uh, you know, there's that sense. It's like, like when the... the um, Gosh, I spent some money when the when the uh, Powerball was up in the billions, right? Okay, like like if it was only a hundred million, that's not enough for me. So I got to have have it be over a billion to play the Powerball. Well, I went and played some games, and it was fun to watch. It was not as well attended as we'd liked, and I talked to Al Herman, who is the uh, field rep for the NRA. 
And uh, he said, We've, we're still down. People are just down uh, in the, since COVID um, and stuff like that. We just have not been getting attendance as much. And he said, well, and during the, the fall, especially because people are out hunting. And that's true. They're out, uh, out archery uh, hunting. I'm, next year, I'm going to do that for absolutely certain. I'm going to get myself a crossbow next year uh, because— um, Gosh, I I was out at my son's and I was watching the pictures on his trail cam of all the all the bucks and does in his yard out there, and I'm going, which is not a yard; it's out farther out by the pond in the woods, and uh, it's from our blind, from the deer blind out there. I mean, it's like it's only like 50 yards, 40, 30 to 50 yards is where the deer come in, and uh, that's that's okay for for using a crossbow or a compound bow. So I don't think I've got the shoulder left to be able to do a compound bow, but I certainly could do a crossbow. Uh, let's see. Uh, some stories today. We're going to talk about all sorts of stuff. There's, I'm going to inter, try to intermix them a little bit. Uh, stories about uh, firearms and new cartridges and things like that. Uh, but also some politics, which is unbelievable what's going on. And uh, of course, don't confuse them with the facts, despite the fact that out in Maine, the uh, the shooter, there were so many red flags, but nobody took advantage of them. Uh, it, it, it's just totally ridiculous. He was involuntarily incarcerated for two weeks in the summer, and he was not put on a do-not-buy list, even though the the military suggested to the sh- sheriffs that he not be allowed to be around guns and ammunition, okay? So there's just so many things going on. But naturally, all of our uh, anti-gun, re- re- that's red Democrats, okay? Now, if you're a Democrat listening to me, you can call up and defend yourself, okay? That, um, oh, yes, I'm a Democrat, but I, I do like, people should be able to have guns, but that's what they always say. Okay, now I gotta say the the UAW. Why do you think? Why do you think November fifteenth was for many, 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 many years a day when they uh, shut the plants down? Oh well, that was Veterans Day observed. No, it was. You still should observe Veterans Day on eleven eleven. Okay, but the thing is, is that uh, so many of the UAW workers didn't show up because they were up north hunting with guns, okay? So you guys should be remembering that when you're voting, okay? Uh, that that the, the Democrats, not the rank-and-file Democrats, although I know some of them are like that, but the, but the leadership is so anti-gun, it's amazing. And we'll talk about that today in some stories I got. Uh, one thing that made me smile, um, <laughs> there's a company called Ranger Point Precision, out in um, in uh, te- Texas, in the Houston area in Texas. And they have introduced, and you believe it or not, you would not believe this, but a tactical musket. Okay. <laughs> it is a custom tactical musket. It is a um, muzzle loader, but it's not even a breech loading or a, um, you know, a 209 ignition. It's a, it's a, uh, cap um, uh, type, not not a flintlock, but a percussion cap type musket. It has a polymer stock that is that is skeletonized at the back. It has a four stock that has an M lock 
uh, Picatinny-style rail on it and stuff, and it has a uh, uh, weapons light on the front. It's all black. I'm going, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. But this is funny, i got to say. Uh, I, I looked up on their website. I didn't see them for sale, but they definitely are doing something with this, so it's kind of cool. Uh, let's see. We had a, um, a story. Somebody even asked. I don't remember who it was. might have been Ed from Ypsilanti asking about polymer-coated bullets or something. And uh, somebody said, what's with that lipstick-looking ammo with red bullets? What's the benefit? And I said, well, I do think there is a benefit to it. And actually, there is. You may have noticed some handgun ammo, in particular Federal's Syntec, which is S-Y-N, like synthetic, S-Y-N-T-E-C-H, is probably the most popular brand with brightly colored bullets. And I wondered what the deal is. I'm not talking about the bullet tips. Uh, like you see on hunting rifles and stuff. You know, you get ones that have ballistic tips on them and they're red or green or gold or whatever. Uh, we're talking the entire projectile is red. And uh, uh, although they do make them in other colors and the people are calling them lipstick ammo. And they thought, oh, yeah, well, the ladies are like, oh, no, for God's sakes, don't don't go there. And as a matter of fact, I got a story today about why women don't carry as much, but they're starting to, uh, and they are a big part of the sales and training going on, but there's some interesting stories out there. Uh, there are blues and purples and stuff, and what's the color and what's the point? The ammo is loaded with projectiles that are coated in polymer. Why? Well, for one thing, it allows for easy identification. A manufacturer can design target rounds with one color, training rounds with another color, defensive rounds with a third color, and in fact, that's what Federal does. Its Syntec target rounds are all red. Its training rounds are purple, and the defensive rounds are blue. But the primary reason manufacturers coat the bullets in polymer are more related to the function of the bullets. In general, polymer-coated bullets offer smoother performance and less friction because there's that smooth polymer surface heading down the barrel of the gun, and it reduces metal-to-metal -metal contact. That smooth surface can also lead to fewer jams due to smoother feeding, like going up the, the feed ramp and stuff like that, when compared to non-coated bullets. Now, that may not be... That that would be definitely true with a lead bullet. Maybe not with a uh, jacketed bullet or a, or a nickel-plated bullet like the silver tips and things like that. Um, theoretically, this could make them more consistent from round to round when compared to other types of projectiles. On top of that, less friction means less heat, and a barrel that doesn't heat up as quickly might be important if you are a high-volume shooter. The polymer Polymer coating encapsulates and contains the lead bullet, which is a major benefit to hand loaders and anyone who is concerned with lead exposure. And I think you all know this. If you're not, not as much with copper bullets, but let's say you're spending a couple hours at the range and you're going through hundreds and hundreds of rounds. Now, if they're 22s or if they're uh, lead lead-nosed uh, revolver rounds or something like that, what, what do you notice? Your fingertips are black. Okay, when you get done, and what happens? Some of that's from the brass, but some of it's from the lead. And they all, we always taught people: you come in, uh, and you're not supposed to, you know, don't don't uh, 
you know, touch your face and all that kind of stuff. But the thing is, is that when you get done, you go in and you wash your hands with cold water first and then with hot water. But the cold water first gets the lead off of your fingers without opening up the pores in your fingers to let that lead go in. So, you know, I want to say um, there there is... Um, there is a legitimate reason for, for having that. Maybe you don't worry too much about lead exposure. I do know, too, that if I'm hand-loading and I am – now, I, I do load lead projectiles and coated projectiles and jacketed projectiles and stuff like that. But when I'm loading just lead ones, man, my fingers are covered. So, so the, uh, there's a major benefit to hand-loaders and anyone who's concerned about lead exposure as it leads to less – vaporized lead and debris in the air after each shot. And I want to say you really notice it when you go to the range. Let's say you're out there and there's somebody with, a, um, you know, a peacemaker kind of, uh, or, or a Ruger Blackhawk or a Colt Python or something, and they're shooting 357 Magnums. So they're shooting hot loads. They may be shooting just lead projectiles. The smoke and vaporized lead is unbelievable. Okay, so I understand that there, you know, and that's one of the reasons that um, that when new ranges are are uh, designed and stuff, they're super picky about the environmentals on it. They're picky about uh, the air quality and how quickly it'll exchange the air in the range because you get like twenty five people in a row all shooting. You got a lot of smoke and vaporized lead. So, and especially if it's hot loads like. 357 Magnums, 44 Mags, things like that. Not as much with the 38 Specials and things that are, are downloaded a little bit. Uh, let's see. Lead is a soft metal, leaves residue in the guns ba gun barrel, which eventually has to be cleaned because it will start to affect the bullet performance, accuracy, and more. But a bullet encased in polymer, polymer will not leave lead or copper in the barrel, thereby reducing following fouling and essentially leaving you a clean gun at the end of your day at the range. And who doesn't love an easier cleaning job? If you shoot steel targets, you might find uh, polymer-coated bullets are a real advantage. They deform and splatter upon impact and with steel the same way regular hardcast lead does, but they tend to splatter into smaller pieces instead of sharp jacket fragments. In other words, the coating on the lead is reduced. To, uh, it, it helps reduce ricochets and shrapnel when shooting steel targets. There are a couple of minor limitations that you should be aware of. First of all, if you reload, be sure not to slice the polymer coating uh, when you're putting it in the casing, or the resulting ammo will be less accurate. Second, some tests indicate that polymer coatings can leave slightly lower speeds and energy than their non-polymer uh, non coated counterparts. This is a negligible difference, but you that you won't be noticeable enough to matter on handgun ammo. Third, it's possible for the polymer coating to melt at high velocities, which is why its use is limited to handgun bullets. The, bull the melting would lead to inaccuracy at long range, so this treatment isn't generally suited for rifle bullets. And i got to tell you, that's actually true with the rifle bullets. Um, there have been issues with high-speed, high-velocity rifle bullets that have ballistic tips on them when they first started to um, do ballistic tips, they were just using plain old plastic tips. Now they're using 
specially formulated polymer tips that don't melt because they can melt and deform. And if you imagine that that leading, leading point on the, on the projectile melts and bends over, that's going to affect your accuracy. Okay. Bottom line, polymer-coated bullets tend to shoot smoother and cleaner than other bullets, and they can be safer when shooting steel targets. They're worth a shot, particular for anyone who shoots indoors and anyone who's concerned about lead exposure, anyone who shoots steel, and anyone who shoots a lot and wants to reduce their cleaning time. So there's, you know, they're more than just a gimmick. They, they actually uh, have a, a functional benefit. So if you're out there looking, and now I wouldn't pay a lot more for them. I, don't, I didn't even do a uh, price analysis to check. But if it's within a couple bucks on a box of 50, it might be worth to do it. Might save you time, might save you wear and tear on your gun. Okay. Uh, let's see. Oh, and I spent, I spent, um, I spent, <laughs> I, I am dangerous with a computer because I went to bed last night and um, I said, oh, I have one more thing to look up. And so I have a, I keep a tablet in addition to my Kindle reader next to the bed, but I got the tablet out and my wife was already asleep. So I, uh, um, I was sitting there with the light turned down real low and I was reading about seven millimeter Remington mags and reading about a, interesting story about the difference and the clash between 350 Legend and 360 Buckhammer. So we'll talk about that when we get back. This is Dick Kupke at Trigger Talk Radio here at Wham Talk 1600. Go Purdue. Wham! Talk 1600. Welcome back to Trigger Talk Radio with your host, Dick Kupke. Call now, 734-822-1600 to join in the conversation. And we're back. And uh, I was, I've been thinking about this one for a while. And um, been thinking about the, they call it a cartridge clash, but it's interesting. Because what's happened is, in um, for those of you who are, are maybe you're just starting t into the deer hunting. There's actually, we have more hunters this year than we have had in the past. Last year we did too. I think some people took to the outdoors a bit when they were, you know, with COVID and stuff like that. But but also people are just enjoying uh, the hunting. Um, and there's actually more more women and more minorities and more youngsters that are that are all involved with it. And what happens is people are always looking for you know, an advantage. And so what happens, for those of you who don't know, up until several years ago, we, uh, we had down south here in, in Michigan, we had what's called the, the shotgun zone, which is about from the middle of the state down. And what happened is north of that line, you could use rifles. You could use 30-06s. You could use 30-30s. You could use uh, 300 Savages or 7-millimeter Remington. You could use whatever you wanted, okay? But down south here, they you had to use uh, shotgun slugs, okay? And there was a combination of them. There were, you know... Um, we talked about this last week. Rifled slugs, which are not really rifled, but they're, they um, they actually tumble, but or they just lob out there. But if you are using a smoothbore shotgun and using even a even a slug that has it looks like ridges where it's trying to turn, those are actually to to accommodate the the choke on the end to give it some room to crush. But the thing is, is that um, 
it, it, they were not the best, most accurate way to shoot. Then they came out with rifled shotgun barrels, which a lot of us have. I, I have some on uh, shotguns that are like, um, oh gosh, a Remington, no, Mossberg 500, I've got one. I've got one for the uh, Remington 870. And what it is is it's a rifled barrel that uses a Sabo round, which is usually a, a, a approximately 45 or 50 caliber um, uh, projectile in a, in a plastic sleeve like that holds it. And it, it actually does twist and rifle. So it's, it's actually almost like being a rifle instead of a shotgun. But then other states around us started allowing people to use straight wall, or straight wall cartridges. I should say, originally it was only pistol cartridges, straight wall pistol cartridges, because there weren't, were not really many rifle cartridges that didn't have a shoulder on it, okay? So, which I think, you know, a, sh uh, a shoulder is what makes it a bottleneck shape, like a Coke bottle shaped cartridge, okay? Or like a beer bottle cartridge where it's got a shoulder on it. Um, and then, so then people started using pistol cartridges. Like I, I have a 44 mag in, um, in a Ruger Mark 70, Ruger 77 Mark two. It's a, um, a bolt action 44 mag. And, uh, but then people started saying, well, there's gotta be something better. So, so they started inventing rounds that were straight wall cartridges of the you got to be less than two in two inches in length in the uh, in the uh, barrel or the the actual length of the brass or it might be 1.8 but uh, at any rate the point is is that they they kind of limited the size of the of the uh, brass and stuff but not necessarily the the energy or the power or the weight of the of the uh, projectile and so they came out with things like uh, 450 Bushmaster, and uh, I use a 50 Beowulf, which is um, uh, a, a large 50 caliber that is a short, like a 1.67 inch uh, projectile or uh, casing, and a two and a quarter inch overall length, and um, and it shoots heavy bullets hard. And uh, so then people are going, man, those are real thumpers. What else can we make? So what they did is they came out with one a couple of years ago called a 350 Legend, which is, I, I don't know how you can come out with a new round and call it a legend, but I guess I that's just like legends and leaders. I don't know why they did that for, for Big Ten. Why did they pick that, Derek? I don't really know what the story was behind that, I guess. Uh, I think leaders came from... Uh, leaders and best because that that was the university of michigan's motto yeah but uh, i'm not so sure about legends but i guess <laughs> i guess that was to honor bo Beckler and woody hayes two of the greatest coaches in big 10 football history could be could be okay so they came out with this 350 legend now there were 350 legend was a um is a straight wall cartridge and it was very well accepted, and it's chambered normally in things like um, bolt-action rifles. Okay, you see a lot of them. If you if you get a Sunday paper, the Dunham's ads list like Savage Axis is for three ninety nine or something. Ruger Ruger Americans are usually five forty nine or something like that. Sometimes it's with a, a scope 
like a three by nine by 40 weaver on it or something. And um, it's a softer shooting round. It's, it's actually, I've got, let me see, I've got some of the ballistics here. But um, it's interesting because they usually are like, let me find it here. I got a chart. Gosh, this is, okay, the um, 350 Legend is available in like 145 grain um, bullets, and it gets 2,350 feet per second or 180 grain, 2,100 feet per second, about 18, 1760 to 1780 foot-pounds of energy. Okay, and it's kind of a softer shooting gun. And it, it has become popular for youth and for, um, for smaller stature people, you know, maybe older people who, who have arthritis in their shoulder or something like that, uh, or women or, or, and youth. And a lot of times they are in youth rifles too. And they, are, they only have like 9.8 uh, foot-pounds of free recoil energy, which is not a whole lot, okay? So people like them. And uh, especially if you're shooting shorter distances, um, you know, they, they carry, uh, you know, if you're shooting under 150 yards or so, they're really good, okay? And so, and they're they're pretty much like the old thirty thirty Winchester, which, by the way, is the parent cartridge of a new one we're going to talk about. But the thing is, is that the the good old thuddy thuddy they call. <laughs> I remember my grandpa, my papa, thuddy thirty thirty man, a big old thirty thirty. That's amazing round, and he never had one, but he he sure knew about them. Okay, but the thing is, is that uh, it's about like a thirty thirty, which has harvested more. Uh, more deer than all the others combined, they said, over the last 150 years, okay? So uh, the thing, 130 years probably. So the thing is, is that, uh, it, and it is a rebated rim, which is one like most modern guns that are cartridges should see that have the, the rim is about the same diameter as the cartridge case, but it's got a groove cut in it, okay? And that works well for things like, um, uh, well, the 350 Legend can use uh, be used in an um, AR platform, or AR-10 or AR-15 platform. Uh, it can be used in other semi-automatics. It can be used in uh, bolt actions, things like that. And so uh, very popular. But then, but you know what it doesn't lend itself to very well is, the, um, is shooting out of a lever action. And a lot of people like lever actions, especially for deer hunting, because it's traditional and it's it's something that you may have gone out and done with your grandpa or your great-grandpa or whatever, or you may even have their guns that they've handed down and stuff like that. So here you are with a 30-30 that you can't use below the, in, in the southern part of the state here, because it's a shouldered cartridge, okay? So along came Remington this year, and uh, Remington, and by the way, the, the other states around us, Illinois, Ohio, some of these other states all started allowing straight wall pistol cartridges. So suddenly there's a lot of people using rifles for deer hunting in these states. And But you can't use a shouldered cartridge because a shoulder cartridge could be 
too powerful and scary, apparently. I, I, I would say a, a rifle is a rifle, and you uh, whether it's a 7mm Remington mag or a 30-30. But the thing is, is that they, they wanted to be able to limit, I, I want to say there's this, this need to control people, okay? And um, that, so the government couldn't come along and say, yeah, well, we decided you can use your rifles. Just use your good hunting skills and be careful out there, which is what you should do anyway. But instead, no, we're going to make sure their straight wall cartridges uh, limit their power and energy and stuff like that. So naturally, necess- uh, necessity being the mother of invention, people came up with ways around that. But now they just came out with this came out in the, at the SHOT Show this year. It's called the 360 Buckhammer. Good name. Okay. Every bit as good as the legend. Okay. And so the three, the 360 Buckhammer. But the difference is that this round is available in, or not available, is designed with a rim like a 3030. So it lends itself to lever-action guns, like the old Marlin 336s and the Winchester 94s and, and things like that. So this, this new round, and it, by the way, it actually, by, because it has a tubular magazine, you have to use blunt point, round point, or maybe the new flex tip rounds, but they're not available in flex tip yet. They will be. Uh, whenever you come out, they come out with some of these new ones, I mentioned this last week, and I started a story this this week, and I said, "No, nah, I can't go down that road again." Uh, that everything old is is new again. Where they come out and they tweak a little bit, and and suddenly it's the all new this or that, the all new twenty eight Nosler, almost the same as a seven millimeter Remington Mag, but but a Nosler, okay? So it, and you have to buy a new rifle to use it. But this three sixty Buckhammer now is available. And by the way, the first chambering, they, they, they picked a good company to work with, is in the Henry, okay, lever action. And what they did is they took, and, and I, I talked about this earlier um, a, a couple of months ago, my friend John, John from Danville, he bought a Henry 3855, which is almost the same thing as a 360 Buckhammer. The thing is, is that what and and he was having a hard time finding ammo, and I, I found him some online, but I had to deliver it to him because yeah, he, they wouldn't ship it to Illinois because you know Fat Ass Pritzker has all these rules over there. So, and we're going to talk about him today too. But at any rate, the uh, the uh, 360 Buckhammer's parent cartridge is the 3030. Wow. It's, it looks like a 3030 without the shoulder. And John had told me for his 3855s, they actually, um, what, what they do is he uses 3030 brass that he puts a little charge in it. He does it called fire forming, okay? He puts in, oh gosh, does he use... I think he uses uh, cream of wheat or something like that. And you put a charge in it, and you put cream of wheat in the end of it, and when you fire it, it it actually expands the cartridge to fill the chamber, which is the size that the 3855 is made out of a 3030 cartridge. Wow, these guys are very very resourceful. Okay, well the 30 the 360 Buckhammer is new brass, but it is 
essentially the same kind of thing. It's a straight walled 30-30. So the, the, and the uh, projectile is 358, 0.358, which is just a little bit bigger than the 0.357 of a 357 Magnum. So I want to say it's a decent sized bullet. Uh, it's, it is um, rimmed. It, it comes, matter of fact, they only make it right now. Uh, the, 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 there are some people that are making components for reloading it, and I'm sure the, the people who, who decide that they're going to use the FTX bullets and things like that, they'll come up with recipes for it. But um, it's actually a pretty effective round. It's available from Remington in 180 grain at 2,399 feet per second which is 2,300 foot-pounds of energy. That's 500 foot-pounds more than the 350 Legend. And the 200 grain, which is uh, at 2,217 feet per second, or 2,182, almost 2,200 foot-pounds of energy. Uh, they, the thing is, they're, they're fat, they're slow, they got a lot of energy, they're round noses mostly, and they run out of steam pretty quick. So beyond 200 yards, they're, they're starting to drop quite a bit. Beyond 150, they'd start to drop. But, the, but if you are shooting in uh, close quarters, like 30, 50, 100, 150 yards, then you are perfectly fine with one of these 360 buck hammers. And I do think it, it's neat because it, it lends itself to the nostalgia uh, matter of fact, I remember my first uh, hunt up north with my group of buddies uh, maybe 10, 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, 13 years ago. Um, we went up north to Brethren, Michigan, and, and my son and I were using, uh, I was using a Savage 99, he was using a Winchester 94. We called it our uh, our nostalgia hunt, but uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun, and there's something about it. You, you, you just connect. Uh, with the past. And so I do think the 360 Buckhammer is worth looking into. I don't think I'd buy, I guess I, one of the guns I was trying to win uh, last week at the NRA uh, dinner was a Mossberg Patriot in 350 Legend. Now, if I had won it, I would have loved it, okay? <laughs> I would have been perfectly fine with it. But, um, but I don't know that I'd go out and buy a 350 Legend, but I might go out and buy a 360 Buckhammer. Okay, and I um, so anyway, I was reading last night. That's what I was reading in bed late last night, um, and so I was reading about the 360 Buckhammers and loading for it and stuff. Um, it it the the Henry one actually loads two ways. You can load it through a side gate like most of the lever actions have, but it also has the uh, the opening in the tube uh, of the the magazine reservoir so that you can uh, you can load that way down the tube, or you can also unload it that way rather than trying to use the you know like uh, racking the the lever and six times to, to empty out the, the gun. So anyway, I want to say 360 Buckhammer, uh, maybe 350 Legend. I have a friend who's got a son who's, um, who's, this is, he's only f 
13, maybe 14, and this is his second year. He didn't get a, a dare last year, but but he was thinking about getting a 350 Legend, and that would be a good youth gun to start out with. Uh, and maybe a gun, not only are they available in youth sizes, but they're available in just smaller guns. But as you get older, you, you shrink a little bit, your, your shoulders hurt, your arms hurt, you don't want to carry a heavy gun. Uh, that's not a bad bad choice, okay? Uh, let's see. The Seventh Circuit overturns injunction against Illinois' assault weapons ban and says AR-15s aren't protected arms. Oh, here we go again. <coughs> so this is it's back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Well, I want to say it's actually a, a, a good thing that it's um, – while it's in the courts, they were trying to get an injunction against Pritzker and his, and his assault weapons ban. Um, then, then they, uh, you know, one guy, one judge comes out and does a stay. Another judge comes out and says, no, you can't. It's eventually going to go to the, to the Supreme court and it'll get overturned because, uh, you don't, you, it's funny because I was reading a lot of stuff this week about guns. Okay. Well, I always read about guns, but gun control. And people go, well, you know, it's only been in the last 10 or 20 years that the AR-15. No, they have, been, they have been available as civilian firearms for 50-plus years, almost 60 years. Okay? They have a long tradition. There are 25 million of them in hands of people. You can't say they aren't in common use. You can't say—and people go, oh, well, but they're no good for hunting. You can't use them for hunting. I hunt with one. I hunt with a ba uh, one chambered in 50 Beowulf. There are people that hunt with ones chambered in AR-10s and 308, or gosh, all the 300 blackouts and the 6.8 SPCs and the and the uh, 6.5 Grendels and, and Grendel or however you say it. So yes, they are. They're hunting. They're common usage and stuff like that. So it's actually not a bad thing that. You got the seventh court, the seventh uh, circuit appeals court said, nope, we're not going to stay it, uh, and you know you got, still got to battle it out. It's it's going to be, uh, and, and it was not even the whole court. It's it's like a, um, two, there were a three person panel, and two of the judges said no, and one of the judges said yes, and so the two to one decision is bad enough, but long term implications that are that until. Um, it gets to the Supreme Court of the United States that it, it'll probably continue to be bounced back and forth there and in places like California and Oregon and other places like that. Um, I do want to say, uh, just to show their support for it, a whopping 0.1% of the Illinois gun owners have actually registered their new banned guns. So 0.1%. So now they only got 99.9% .9 to still get to, to, to uh, do it. And actually, there's an awful lot of people uh, that are showing that, uh, and, and the numbers are, oh gosh, what are they here? Uh... Two thousand, uh, according to the database, two thousand two million four hundred and fifteen thousand four hundred and eighty-one gun owners call the land of Lincoln home. Okay, now out of that, not every one of them owns an AR-15, but for four weeks of the gun registration, exactly twenty-four hundred and thirty of those people have registered their guns. 
their accessories, meaning like, um, meaning like uh, uh, high-capacity magazines. Actually, you know what's really bad? Really, really bad. You even have to register handguns that have a threaded barrel because, you know, that threaded barrel makes it so much deadlier. Um, and, and you'd be really, really super dead if you, um, if you ended up, uh, you know, not just, not just, <laughs> what was it from, he's really most sincerely dead. Remember when the munchkins were singing about the, the uh, witch that she, Dorothy dropped a house on? Okay, they're not just dead. They'd be super dead if they were shot with a gun with a threaded barrel. Uh, and, and any fifty caliber firearms. So uh, it works out exactly. The people that have actually um, registered are 0.1006%, so about one in a thousand, okay? And there's things like uh, the, oh gosh, the um, Gun News, which is one of the um, uh, newspapers that is a, uh, let's see, Gun Save Life is the name of the group that puts it out, but they the headlines say, do not register, week one compliance rate of 0.04%. Uh, the state that won't comply, and uh, it's actually, it's got to just piss them off, and that's fine. But the thing is, is that it leads to other states trying to do so many of these same things. They really have to knock this down. When we get back, there's things going on about trying to silence the First Amendment when Second Amendment supporters are talking about it. There's also lawmakers, especially out in Connecticut and places, New Jersey, that are seeking mandatory federal licensing for gun owners, if you can imagine that. So they, even though Bruin says you can't do this and Heller said you can't do that and all sorts of stuff, they don't care. They just go, well, we're going we're gonna to challenge it. We're just going to uh, make a law in our state, and then uh, it's up to you guys to fight it out in court. So, And in the meantime, we'll keep uh, making it difficult for you guys to have your guns. So we'll talk about that when we get back. This is Dick Kupke at Trigger Talk Radio here at Wham Talk 1692.7 FM. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Welcome to Trigger Talk Radio with your host, Dick Kupke. From handguns to rifles and hunting to self-defense, even a bit of politics, it's time to exercise your First and Second Amendment rights. Call and join the conversation, 734-822-1600. And now, your host, Dick Kupke. Well, good afternoon and welcome back to Trigger Talk. We've had a fun hour so far. We're going to have another fun hour. Uh, although not as fun. I was talking about guns and chamberings and, and uh, new, new uh, cartridges and things like that and, and plastic-coated bullets and things like that. Now we got to talk a little bit about politics, okay? Uh, but first, Derek, not yet, okay. Uh, <laughs> I could sing it. Uh, hail, hail to old Purdue, all hail to our old. You better save them from this, from me. <laughs> okay, well, let's, let's hear that, Derek.
our praise. Where the Wabash spreads its families and the joy our voices raise. I know all the words to this. Yep, okay, so that's in honor of tonight's game. You've got to be there or be square watching the game at 7.30 tonight. And um, I don't know if the band is coming up or not. I, I don't know. I do know that it's a, a big deal for the bands to travel to certain games. I, I marched all over the Big Ten, um, and and actually not the Big Ten, too, like at Notre Dame, which was a big rival for Purdue. I, I did... Uh, I was there. I was at Evanston. I was, I was a lot of places, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, you actually do an interesting thing. when What they do is they find kids that live near the u- university that are in the band or that's where they're from. Like we did this a few years ago. Um, one of the actually not only one of the some of the band members, but actually the the girl in black uh, was from uh, you know because they have the golden girl at Purdue and the, and the girl in black for golden black for Purdue and um, and uh, what they did is they had the team come up or the band come up and on Friday night the night before the game they marched at the uh, high school football game and then everybody in the band. Or and people in the community take home band members. I think we took four of them home uh, and had them spend the night uh, because that defrays the cost. And so when I did Michigan back in, I think it was November 8th and 9th or something, November 9th, I think we played the Cleveland Browns or something like that. Uh, it was at the, um, it was the grand opening of the Silverdome up in Pontiac. And we drove up... Um, and we spent Friday night, we marched at um, Taylor High School. And Saturday, we marched at the Michigan game, the Michigan-Purdue game. And Saturday night, we marched in Eaton Rapids at, uh, at a special show that they did. One of the kids was from Eaton Rapids in the band. And then Sunday, we marched at the, uh, at the opening of the, the grand opening, official grand opening of the Silverdome. It was not the first game of the season, but I think they called it the grand opening. And we actually had a, uh, an American flag that we unfurled during halftime that was covered the entire football stadium. I mean, it was, and we were very careful, couldn't touch the ground and all that kind of stuff. But we were very proud of that. And uh, I'd like to, i got to find a video of that because that was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I, I know this is hurting for Michigan people because there's a lot of people who love their schools so much and they love their, you know, the games and the teams and stuff. And then to have the scandal crap go on. That's just not good. So uh, remember the band uh, and, and probably the players don't even know it's going on, but the uh, uh, the band certainly doesn't know it goes on because we never stole signals from other school bands. Okay, But uh, <laughs> maybe we stole their, some of their style. We, did, we actually I got to say the Michigan band did the funniest thing that I ever saw. When we were up, they did a spoof show at halftime and they made fun of other Big Ten bands. And they had, like, the the Michigan State Band does that stutter step, 
If you watched it, they, they, they like add an extra step in. I mean, it's pretty cool. We liked it. And the Michigan band has its own unique style. And for the Purdue band, they had, you know, like the, the countless hundreds because our band was always bigger than everybody else's. We marched 400 in the block and then uh, 150 twirlers and stuff like that. So big band. And they made fun of our mar- marching millions, I guess. But they also had like two great big wrestler kind of guys chasing a small snare drum on a kid's wagon. You know how we have the big drum and everybody, you know, the world's largest bass drum, big deal, and all that kind of stuff? Well, <laughs> they had these two monster guys chasing a snare drum on a kid's wagon. It was hilarious. We we loved it, okay? So we might steal things from them a little bit. They might steal things from us. but uh, And actually, we had some great songs uh, that we sang that I cannot sing on the air <laughs> because we took everybody's school song and you put in very inappropriate lyrics, <laughs> okay? Uh, you don't even want to know about the Buckeye Band. Come, Buckeye Band, we got for you. Uh, you know, <laughs> and, and Michigan ones we had too. And we also wore, uh, I still have this because I was in um, Kappa Kappa Psi, which was the band fraternity, and we, we, I had to pledge it. We wore hats we called pots with buttons all over it. And we wore buttons that year that said Muck Fishigan. Okay, I can say Muck Fishigan, right, Derek? Yeah, well, that's okay to say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I still have my Muck Fishigan buttons around. So and <laughs> a lot of fun. Now let's go back to trigger talk here. Uh, let's see. License uh, li- lawmakers seek mandatory federal license for guns. Okay, and there's actually two two of them going at it. Both of them from uh, New Jersey. There's uh, oh gosh, let's see. What's his name? Cory Booker, who is a pillar of the society, and then there's some guy named Andy Kim. So they are in New Jersey, and they have a new, a very new uh, law that they're putting out. And it is so appropriately named, the Responsible Gun Ownership Licensing Act. Don't they come up with these names? How about these strip you of your constitutional rights licensing act? We could call it that. That would be a better, more appropriate name. But he calls it the Responsible Gun Ownership Licensing Act. Licensing Act. If you want to buy a gun, it's a pretty simple form. And this is, they're talking about Virginia, but it could be any state. Uh, this, this, this was a, a writer from Virginia. Cam Edwards is his name. Some of you know, he, he used to be on the NRA show, and I think he still does some shows on, on podcast and stuff. Uh, if you want to buy a gun, it's a pretty simple process in the state of Virginia. Okay. I go to my local gun shop, pick out the firearm I want to purchase, fill out a Form 4473, go through the background check, fork over the money. Once the background check is complete, I walk out the door. Okay. That's how it should be. And that includes background checks because that's what happens when you buy guns from a federal firearms license. But uh, New Jersey Congressman Andy Kim and Cory Booker 
uh, gets his way will all be subject all be subjected. This is federal, not just in New Jersey, which is notoriously anti-gun, but will all be subjected to federal gun licensing scheme that would make it impossible for you to exercise your Second Amendment rights without first navigating a maze of bureaucratic red tape. On Thursday, this is just this past Thursday, two days ago, introduced the Responsible Gun Ownership Licensing Act, which would impose a host of new restrictions on citizens before they'd be allowed to exercise their fundamental rights to keep and bear arms, okay? To obtain a federal firearm license, the Responsible Gun Ownership Licensing Act would require the following. Certification that the individual completed firearm safety training, which must include a written test and a hands-on and hands-on training to ensure safe use and accuracy. Completion of a criminal history background check. Well, it already has that, okay? The federal firearms license must be renewed every five years with an additional background check and firearm safety training certificate. The bill contains a mechanism for the DOJ to revoke the license if the individual poses a danger to themselves or others. And that's just the tip of the anti-gun iceberg. Uh, Kim's bill is the House companion to a Senate measure introduced by New Jersey Senator Cory Booker. And a close read of the legislation reveals a number of other requirements that of would-be gun owners. Booker's bill, for instance, would require license applications for not, uh, to not only go through a background check, but also submit their fingerprints to the D Department of Justice, which we, is such a pillar of truth out there. We all know that. I'm surprised that Booker didn't include a DNA swab, but I suppose that could always be introduced with a, an amendment. Okay. In addition to undergoing vague training standards that include a written course and a live fire training, applicants must submit identifying information on the firearm that the person intends to buy, including the make, the model, and serial number, and the identity of the firearm seller or transferer. Now, that bill is patently unconstitutional, but it also is completely unworkable. As part of your application to exercise a fundamental right, you're supposed to detail what particular, you, particular gun you want to purchase, including its serial number. Under the legislation, the DOG, DOJ would have the responsibility of issuing licenses, and they can take 30 days to approve it or deny it. What happens if the gun you want to buy is sold before your application is approved? So say you went into Cabela's and say, I'd like that uh, 360 Buckhammer over there, uh, that Henry Lever action. Okay, that's serial number 0003. Okay, good. I'll take that one. Oh, well, you got to do your DOJ checklist, okay, and go through everything. So finally, get that paperwork, and here it comes, and it, it, you're approved. So now you go to back, back to Ke uh, Cabela's, and they go, oh, we sold that one, but you can have serial number five. Oh, okay, back to the drawing board, got to resubmit and start the whole process over again. What a bunch of crap is that, okay? And, and, and by the way, all of this is all aimed. Oh, and you know what they say? The reason to do this is it will prevent gun violence. Okay? Going to prevent gun violence. So what happens when, um, you know, Terrence goes down to Juwan down on Cass Avenue down there and buys a gun out of the trunk of his car 
And, and well, how's he going to do all of that stuff? Oh, well, you know, I, I guess that's not going to work, okay? What a bunch of crap, okay? And always aimed at new gun owners. By the way, the new gun owners that jump through all the hoops to buy guns today are not the ones committing the crimes. Or if they happen to have bought a gun legally, I get a kick that that, that whole main shooter. By the way, they said, well, he should have been prohibited to buy that firearm. Well, did he buy that firearm since July? Or has he had it for 20? I got guns that I've had for 52 years. The first gun that I that I got and owned, I was 14. That was 52 and a half years ago. Okay. So, so what about all the guns that people have already? Not to mention the guns that people have illegally. None of this. If you think that doing a federal licensing program for gun purchases is going to stop gun violence that is happening in Chicago every weekend. 34 people were shot last weekend. Okay, yeah, there were 12 or 13 shot in Maine. That's terrible. 34 were shot in Ohio, I mean in in uh, Illinois, in Chicago. How many were shot in Baltimore and Philadelphia and Washington, D.C.? And do those people, are, are they subject? Oh, well, we're going to have to do a a sweep of the neighborhood and and search everybody's houses and guns and cars and pockets and stuff and you guys will all have to pass that background check. Oh yeah, I'll bet that that'll that'll happen. <sighs> and they actually say that it's they're doing this of course to prevent gun violence. Now, I I would and at the same time they have people that are getting no bail um releases. Just that's just like like th that would be like if somebody crossed the border illegally and you just said, "Oh, okay, come back. You have a uh, uh, court date in three years. That'll work." Okay, don't but don't buy any guns while you're out there. Okay. Oh, let's see. I thought this this one caught my eye, and I don't know if it's true. We got ladies that listen to the to program. Lots of ladies. I get emails from them all the time. Three reasons why women don't carry concealed. I don't know if this is true or not because I'm not a woman. I've taught women to shoot and got them their CPL licenses before, but I don't know if this is true. Let's see. Over the past three years, female gun ownership has been on the rise. In fact, women are the fastest growing group of new gun owners, according to the 2022 NSF Retailer Survey. Only 15 states report concealed carry permit data by gender, but women accounted for 29.2% of permit holders in 2022 in those 15 states. That is 30%, should be 50%. You need to get you up there, ladies. But still, that's a lot better than it probably was 30 years ago. Okay. Uh, let's see. Related to, let's see, this, and this is not me. This was from the author. Um, it says, I run an Instagram account focused on female gun ownership. So that's the author does. And it's been a great way to uh, connect with women at all stages of their concealed carry journey. I've noticed a few times in these conversations, so recently I asked my community one question to better understand what's holding them back. 
If you're a woman who doesn't carry concealed but wants to, can you tell me one of the reasons why you don't? And the replies came in quickly. Within 24 hours, I had over 250 to read. Overwhelmingly, they fall into three major themes. Lack of training and education. Dry firing can be done at home for free or using a system like the Mantis system or one of those. But personally, I'm afraid of the amount of time that I need to put in to carry safely with three kids. Well, that would be true. I would imagine that uh, when I think of, of people in my life, that, that if they were to um, decide to conceal carry, and, and some of them are shooters and they enjoy shooting, but... If they've got two or three kids at home and stuff like that, and they're running the kids to school and they're working a job and they're making dinners and they're helping, you know, even if they got a supportive husband, okay, when do they make time to go the training? About 60% of the women who responded to the question cited a lack of education and training as their most significant barrier. Within this set of answers, I noticed three major hurdles. First, training is expensive. Hiring an instructor and buying a firearm and ammo is costly. Some women said they didn't have the money, while others noted that they weren't willing to incur the costs at this time. Well, I want to say that would, especially if, if you were by yourself, um, but I want to say um, if, they, if, they are, if they have a, a spouse or significant other who's already a shooter, that, that could be taken care of pretty easy because... Um, uh, most shooters have multiple firearms that could could be good for um, a spouse or a significant other, or you know. And this is assuming the spouse would be female or male. But I'm just saying they uh, <laughs> not to not that there's anything wrong with that. But maybe they're maybe they're a. Uh, uh, I don't even want to go there. <laughs> I want to say maybe it's a, a, a man trapped in, no, it's a woman trapped in a man's body or who knows what, I don't even want to get into that. Okay. I don't, you know, la, 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 la. I don't want to <laughs> put my finger in my ear and go. Um, let's see. Secondly, training takes time. Although I don't have children, I would guess at least, and I do have children and grandchildren, but this is the author speaking again, I would guess that at least 75% of my female followers are moms. Many said they don't have much free time, so getting away to train is hard. A few women replied that they feel guilty or selfish about taking the time to train. Others pointed out that it's difficult and costly to schedule babysitters. I want to say, again, this would be the difference between um, uh, single moms and, and married moms. If you are a married mom and your husband shoots, or even if he doesn't, well, he, and it's not babysitting when you watch your own kids, but you need some me time to go down to the range, okay? And, and I, I understand that. My wife went through that, trying to find a time to go running or, or exercising in general and stuff like that. So, so I understand that uh, a lot, okay? So if, if you've got a significant other that you can talk to about that or you can uh, uh, you know, work with the spouse to, to be able to free up time or maybe make a date of it, okay, then it's only one babysitter and the both of you go to the range, Okay. Uh, and a third theme is that women struggle to find the right instructor. 
One respondent said, I haven't found a class to learn that didn't make me feel dumb for asking questions as an adult. I, I can imagine that because I see instructors who are not very good, okay? I have seen instructors who, and actually there are, the people I see at the range are more cooperative and friendly and, and open than some instructors that I've seen because it's the instructors are like, you don't know that. Well, everybody knows that. Well, no, you don't because if you didn't grow up with the guns, then you, you didn't. Jackie from Heartland, women carrying guns. Hi, Jackie. Thanks for calling. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Um, I just wanted to say uh, I'm an active shooter. And um, for women, uh, this is what they need to do. Take a basic pistol course and then find a range that shoots IDPA because they are all about safety. They're all about moving and shooting. They're all about um, uh, awareness. And it is absolutely the best thing that anybody can do if you want to learn to shoot and learn correctly and have somebody watching over you. That is a very good point. Uh, there's a big difference between going to a range and pu putting holes in paper and just standing there and doing that versus being involved in a training scenario like you do with IDPA. Obviously, you shoot it, right? All the time. Yes. And and I want to say, too, um, now, I, the thing I just talked about, I don't know if you heard, but it was talking about instructors who are making people feel dumb for asking normal questions and stuff like that, especially if, I want to say, if you are new to it and you didn't grow up around it, then then they, they assume that you've got this knowledge that you don't have. The IDPA people tend to be pretty welcoming and accommodating, are they not? That is for sure. I did not grow up around guns. I never shot. For whatever reason, I decided to get into it. But um, anybody that shoots IDPA is, is 100% willing to help you progress and Actually, it's a wonderful thing to watch people gain skill and gain. There's two things. One is gun handling, and one is your shooting, Right. Uh, you know, your sight and everything. But uh, I have never seen one person that has been derogatory. They've just bent over backwards. They, they to, tend, yeah, they really you know, tend. And they love, women, they love women shooters. Yeah. And I, they love all shooters. I don't care if you're... Oh, true. Yeah, I, I want to say that's where the, the anti-gun narrative people are going, oh, they're a bunch of white racist men or something. And it's, No, it's not. It, it, we don't care if you're black, white, male, female, whatever. You know what I mean? Exactly. As, as long as you're safe. And it, that's good to hear. Now, what group do you shoot with up in Heartland? Well, I uh, belong to Linden Sportsman's Club. Okay. And that's up in uh, Linden. Okay. And I also shoot at uh, Living, Livingston Conservation Club. Oh, good. In Brighton. Have you ever yeah. shot down at Tri-County in Saline? You know what? I know people and they've invited me down there, but I usually just kind of stick to my own. Yeah. I shoot um, competition, but I don't compete. Yeah. I only shoot it for my own okay. uh, benefit and uh, accuracy. Okay. 
Well, I, I do th- I do know that everybody, just like uh, IDPA, but also when we have pin shoots and things like that, they are more than welcoming to beginners, maybe who don't even have their own guns. They'll lend them the equipment. Uh, yes. Yep. Yes, for sure. Oh, i got to go. The music's yes. playing, so I'm going to go. Call back anytime, right. Jackie. Thank you very much. Okay. Dick Kupke at Trigger right. Talk Radio. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Wham! Talk 1600. Welcome back to Trigger Talk Radio with your host, Dick Kupke. Call now, 734-822-1600 to join in the conversation. And we're back. And uh, gosh, we just talked with Jackie from Heartland, and she that was a big help. She, I'm glad you're listening out there. Um, and that uh, she suggested that if you are interested in learning to shoot, once you get into the basics of it and stuff, find yourself an IDPA group. And they are all over the place. I want to say um, one thing that's interesting, <laughs> although it'd be, it'd be tough to do, but IDPA groups, they, they, ha- they have them at your maybe an individual club near you, and they have them at the next county over and the next city over. And, the ne- and they all, if you wanted to, you could probably shoot IDPA every weekend for the for the year, okay? Because your your group may do it at, on the first Saturday of the month at your club, and then and the next at the second Saturday is over in Howell, and then the third Saturday is at Chelsea, and the fourth Saturday is at Celine at Tri County, and the fifth you know I'm just saying you can do it. Now that takes a lot of time, and that's part of what we're talking about here too. It's interesting because um, I was just reading about the one where uh, the woman said she it's hard to find an instructor that doesn't, you know, and, and I fully support this, that doesn't, um, I, I want to say that it can adapt to the young trainers. And that's one of the reasons that, or the young students, or new students, uh, that's one of the things that, that I always enjoyed in, in training. And I like teaching kids, and I like teaching women. Uh, by the way, of course, and I think every woman out there would agree with me, um, and every instructor could say, we like teaching women better than we like teaching men. And why is that? Because women listen, and they study and they think, whereas men know everything to start out with. Okay, <laughs> it's true. We've been playing cops and robbers since we were three. Okay, and so we know everything there is to know about guns and gun safety and carrying and all that kind. Of, and just like we don't read maps, or actually, people go, "What's a map?" Oh, we don't use GPSs. <laughs> I, I want to say, uh, men men don't read owners' manuals. Men don't read instructions and things like that. Women do, and and uh, it's in. I I do got to say that uh, I do have to say that. Uh, uh, it is a pleasure to teach women when we teach it like women on target. What an outstanding day that is where we have like 75 ladies come through and they shoot rifles and shotguns and archery and pistols and blah, blah, blah. And they all have a blast, okay, literally and figuratively. But um, at any rate, they are a delight. And But they, they learn in different ways, okay? And I'll get into that in a minute. Um, so at any rate, safety around kids was the number two thing that they brought up. And they said, I have six kids under the age of nine, and I'm always 
always wearing one, wearing as in carrying, uh, one of them. But there are reasons why I don't, why I want to. They are the reasons that I want to carry. The next most common reply centered on children. In fact, many women said their kids are both the reason that they don't carry, but also the reason that they would want to start carrying. And that's that, that's the you know the mama bear syndrome, where um, you know don't mess with my kids. And um, and so that's and they see that that society is not getting any better. Okay, I mean, if, matter of fact, if you take the one of the things about uh, shooting going on, and and uh, matter of fact, I'm avoiding some of the politics today. But like, uh, uh, why do you think Israel bought ten thousand assault weapons and handed them out to civilians? Which, by the way, pissed off. Biden and now so he's considering restricting arms to Israel because oh well they're letting regular people have guns well yes they need to defend themselves okay um, let's see then so uh, let's see the next common let's see kids are both the reason and why they would want to carry they're aware of the dangers that lurk though they're still unsure how to safely manage guns around children I've got Barb from Milan on women's shooting tips. Hi, Barb. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing well. Good. Hey, just another tip is um, some of the ranges around are starting to have women's shooting groups. I know there's one at Range USA. I happen to belong to the one that is at T-Rex out on the north I-94 service drive. Right, right. East of Belleville Road. It just, that group just started um, about three months ago, and we've been meeting on a monthly basis. We are having an absolute ball together. We have the nicest group of ladies that are very sharing and, you know, very willing to help each other out. We have a huge range of experience, everything from the novice to people who have been shooting for a long time, and actually we have a, an instructor that's part of the group, as well as there's an instructor that's leading the group. Every time I go, and I've been shooting for quite some time, um, I learn something else. It's absolutely wonderful. It's very non-threatening. Um, you know, we're learning how to handle guns, how to handle issues with them, like a jam, you know, things like that. Right, right. Uh, but it, it's great. So another tip for people who want to learn to shoot and get a little more confidence is go look, go to a range. If you don't want to, you know, shoot the IDPA stuff, but just another another tip is go find a women's group at a range because they're out there. Well, thank and, you, Barb. I appreciate. Rex is wonderful. I so. appreciate that call. I think you've called before, haven't you? I talked have. about yes. I have. Yeah. And yeah, not, I don't think there's too many Barb's in Milan. <laughs> <laughs> well, there should be more Barb's in in Milan that there, have guns. There so. needs to be. Yep. There needs to be. So, thank you, Barb. Yeah, but yeah, we have a great time. So, I appreciate uh, the call. Yeah, uh, um, Go look for a range, ask for a range if they have a women's group, but definitely T-Rex. And like I say, I know Range USA has a women's group. Yep. I, um, I, I know, too, that um, ones like uh, Firing Line and Westland and uh, Ann Arbor Arms, and they all have women women's groups. Yeah, and, yeah. And so. I, I want to say part of that started out, I know that when we would do women's things and stuff, part of it is because— um, you you did have many newcomers who were new to shooting and stuff. You don't want to necessarily. It can be intimidating if you're trying to learn and you're starting out with your uh, your you know 38 or your 22 or your nine or whatever. And there's a guy with an AR next to you blamming away at the tar. I mean, it can be intimidating. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And well, so and, and the other thing is like I know we have one lady that comes and she's just absolutely delightful and. Uh, 
you know, she comes and she's like, go shooting with my husband, and he just, you know, he takes the gun out of my hand and, you know, he loads it and he, you know, clears it for me. He does this, that, and other thing, and, you know, I don't learn because... He thinks he's helping me, but in reality, he's not. So Absolutely. I have to come to a women's group to be away from him so I can learn these things. So, so he'll stop with the um, stop yeah. with the mansplaining, right? The man's well, well, yeah. Well, it's just it's not so much that he even explains it. He just takes it out of her hands and <laughs> does it for her because you know, he's thinking he's helping her, but in reality, he's not because yeah. she's. I just need. And the biggest thing I hear from the women in our group is many of them have their CPLs, but they're just, they're not carrying yet because they just said, I just want to build up my confidence in handling the gun. And because we're such a non-threatening group, you know, they can come, they can, you know, they can ask any and all questions. Um, I mean, this last month we shot up a whole boatload of pumpkins and we had (laughs) the most fun ever. I would have hated to have cleaned up the range afterwards because it was kind of like pumpkin pie filling all over the place. But I mean, every Everybody brings gun. We were, you know, we were all shooting each other's guns. I, you know, I've got well, that's true. I mean, guns. I've brought guns, and people have shot my stuff. And um, that's so much you know, fun. It's a really uh, great way of, of trying something out if you're looking for something specific. So we do a lot of that, and uh, we're just we're just having a great time. Yeah. So. Now the yeah, that's one of the things too. The gun people are the nicest people. It's like. Oh, what is that you've got there? Oh, do you want yeah, to try to yeah. shoot it? Sure. Well, I don't have any ammo left. Well, that's okay. You'd have a couple mags worth here. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, here, here, have this. Try yeah. this. It's, now, yeah, when, yeah, so that's, yeah, we're, we're just we're having a great time. So when is your... Get a hold of Nikki Kobolars out at T-Rex. Okay, so what night do you guys meet on normally? Is it a um, set it's a, Sometimes it's a Saturday uh, evening because then that's when the range is closed, so it's like 7 to 9. Okay. Um, I think their next meeting is going to be, uh, it's the Saturday after Thanksgiving, and we're actually meeting at five o'clock. And we're actually having a classroom setting. We are we are doing a stop the bleed class. Oh, good, good. And, See, there's uh, so most you know very often we're in the range doing things, but other times we are doing classroom things. So oh, it's good. a very nice mix of things. So if you don't have a gun. Um, you know, there's, sometimes there's just some classroom kinds of things. Other times when we're on the range, there's plenty of guns to borrow, or you can always rent a gun. Now, what was well. that name so, of the woman out at, uh, at... Nikki. Her name is Nikki, and it's Kobolars, K-O-B-Y-L-A-R-Z. Okay. T-Rex. Okay, well, good. Uh, it's and you can nice go to, to their website, them. and there's information on the website. Well, thank you very much, Barb. I appreciate Alrighty, it. very good. Okay. Have a good uh, afternoon now. You too. You too. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, see, that's, isn't it fun? That's, I mean, this is, this is actually so good that, that women are calling in. That's two today, and I, I'm delighted that there are women listening to the show because I try to be open and, and everything about, I mean, accommodating to everybody. Uh, when I started the show, I said, um, gun talk for the, um, for the new and experienced shooter, because we'll talk about hand loading and, and neat guns, but we'll also talk about learning. By the way, uh, what she said is so true. Um, if, if the, uh, spouse or significant other, um, takes the gun away and clears the jam or loads it for you or something. Okay, just hold it like, no, no, that's not working. You need to, they need to understand the sight picture. They need to understand why they have to, or what happened? Why are they clearing a jam? Did the, <clears throat> did it misfeed? Did it not extract completely because maybe they're limp wristing it? Uh, and that can happen to anybody, new shooters, old shooters, men, women, it doesn't matter. 
there are techniques that you have to use that you have to back up the firearm to let the springs and things in there do what they're designed to do. And you can't do that if you're dissipating the energy by letting your wrist move when you're firing. These are all little things that you have to teach people. And once they get it, they get it. So I'm glad to hear that there's groups out there. And um, let's see, if I'm going to keep going here, let's see. Uh, moms of babies struggle to understand how they can safely carry while they're holding their little ones. Toddlers' moms struggle to see how it's safe to carry when their little hands are constantly grabbing at their waist. And in general, moms worry a lot about safe storage with kids of all ages in the homes. We all should be worried about that, okay? Uh, several women noted it's been suggested that they carry off their body. I'm not a big fan of that because purse carry and stuff like that, when, when, when you see somebody at a restaurant and they've got the purse over the back of the chair or something like that, those are all targets to be able to steal. And if, and if that happens, you can't, you don't have your firearm anymore. Uh, let's see, we got a lot of calls coming in. So, um, uh, be patient there. Let it ring. Derek's answering one, and he's got another one coming. Uh, let's see. Uh, many replies also inc included um, confusion about firearm safety education for children. These mothers needed guidance on what age to begin and how to broach the subject properly. Overall, they feel that this is a tricky subject they're not qualified to teach. Well, you need to learn about that. It's all, I, I am learning new things every day. You always have to be learning. Uh, here's another one. Uh, my body shape makes it extremely hard to carry concealed. The third most common reply was about concealment, which didn't surprise me. At least a couple of times a week, I'm asked how the heck I carry in leggings. I are leggings those black pants that you ladies all wear all the time? Yeah, I can't imagine. Where do you hide that, okay? Um, or in a boot or in a uh, – there was one years ago called a flashbang uh, that was in the midriff underneath the uh, breast area, and it was actually not a bad area, but they call it a flashbang because you had to lift your shirt up. That's the flash part, and then you take the – <laughs> the gun out. Uh, w let's see. At least a couple of times we kind of carry in lemmings. W uh, women want to carry without changing their style and wardrobe. Let's see. We have got Jim from Chelsea on CPL renewal. Hi, Jim. Hi, Dick. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing fine. What's up? Okay. Uh, last time I called, you wanted, uh, and I told you about. Uh, uh, reapplying for my uh, CPL. Yeah, you had that dif <laughs> the difficulty with the uh, online stuff, right? Yeah, and uh, so I mailed it in. Well, I mailed it in on the 16th, which I think was a Monday, and I got the receipt back, uh, I think on October 30th. The receipt date is dated 10-18. So I'm good right now for a year after my CPL license expires, as long as I have this receipt with me. Oh, that's good. And then they're going to mail you the new plastic one that you, when they get around to it. Yeah, evidently. So that's, okay. that's what I'm waiting for next. Well, that's good. That's, that's, that's good that it took like less than two weeks, uh, even in the old snail mail world, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's pretty I can't good. complain. Yep. I wish they were that that quick on new 
pending ones. <laughs> Either that or there's just oh. so many people. Yeah. Yep. Well, thanks for thanks for calling today. I appreciate you keeping us posted on that. Okay. We'll talk to you another time. Okay. See you later. Uh, let's see. Uh, like I said, women want to carry without changing their style and wardrobe. Although the basic principles of concealed carry are the same for men, the execution can be trickier for women. Their bodies are different in shape and size, and women experience pregnancy, monthly cycles, and more. They also tend to wear a variety of outfits compared to men. I mean, God, that is so true. I'm... Uh, I, I can either carry in my pocket or in a holster, and I can have a jacket over it or a shirt, period. I don't have to look nice. <laughs> I try to look nice sometimes, but uh, today I'm wearing a Purdue shirt, actually. But um, but the thing is, is that uh, they tend to wear a variety of outfits compared to men, including feminine clothing like dresses that simply weren't designed to hide a firearm, okay? Uh Several women noted that they don't know where to start because it seems overwhelming to figure out which holsters work best for them without spending hundreds of dollars. When they began to carry when she began to carry 13 years ago, they were hardly there were hardly any options, but I still spent the money on holsters that didn't work. Now there are more options, but I but it can feel paralyzing to the layperson. That's not just ladies. That's There are so many options out there for holsters. Everybody who carries has a box of old holsters that they don't use anymore. Maybe the gun they, they, they isn't their primary gun anymore. Like I have... Uh, I have holsters for revolvers, for big 9mm, for small 45s, for all sorts of things like that. Um, so it, it, it can be um, uh, confusing to everybody. Another pointed out that their shape and even body image is hard to, makes it hard to conceal. They want to look feminine and feel good, and hiding a giant piece of metal inside your waistband seems counterintuitive. Printing is one of those things that makes uh, that takes practice and trial and error to overcome, which can be daunting for a woman women, uh, with a lot on her plate. Uh, conclusion. Uh, reading all the answers to my questions reminded me that women think differently than men regarding concealed carry. We want to learn everything before starting. <laughs> this is an interesting one. The women want to learn everything before starting, whereas men are likelier to jump in and learn as they go. Well, that doesn't surprise me. Guys are like, hell yes, I can do this. I'm going to jump in. <laughs> well, maybe you should study a little more first, sir. You know, <laughs> That's not to say one way is better than the other. Perhaps some of these insights will help create more feminine-friendly spaces in the gun community for women to learn to defend themselves. And I think we got a couple good examples today. Uh, women's only groups at like T-Rex out in Belleville, um, IDPA, uh, check your local club for things like even like pin shoots and, and things like that. They sometimes they have women's nights at, at a local club too. So there's a lot of things that you can have um, in, in, and enjoy and learn properly. The important thing is to learn. Always be learning. Let's see. Here's a report. I, I have uh, uh, mentioned this. Biden. Ad admin threatens to quit supplying rifles after Israel's Ben Gavir reportedly is arming civilians, okay? The Biden administration became upset and threatened to quit supplying rifles to Israel after photos emerged of National Security Minister it Itamar Ben-Gavir 
passing them out to community security guards. <coughs> Photos of the rifles being passed out were posted on social media and led to a diplomatic incident that threatened to stop the arms shipment from the United States to Israel. So that that should tell you a lot. The Biden administration reportedly does not want guns passed out to civilians nor distributed during political events. You know, first of all, uh, I don't care what Biden and his administration think, okay? Uh, and, you know, Israel has a right to defend itself and do as it sees fit, Okay. So, you know, Biden, you can shove it up your ass, okay, because I want to say you have no right to be offering military aid and things like that and then putting restrictions on it. Just like Netanyahu said this week, there'll be no pause until the terrorists are released or until the, the uh, hostages are released. No pause. And I, I want to say, Biden, if you haven't paid attention, in October, by the way, there's a story here, our— uh, our gun sales jumped up by another 200,000 in October to 1.3 million, okay? Well over the one, 1 million per month we've been averaging for the last 50 months, Mr. Biden, okay? And why would it jump up in, in October? Well, what happened October 7th? Yes, people saw that bad things can happen and that people who are not armed are hostages, dead, uh, servants, uh, they're subjects, okay, as opposed to the Israelis who are trying to um, protect themselves and arm their citizens to protect themselves. That's about all I'll get into that, but I want to say it says an awful lot about, um, about the administration that they're upset because Israel's arming its people. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think we fought a war about that back in uh, the 1700s, something about that, when the British tried to take our guns away. Uh, let's see. I'm running out of time. I'll save this for next week. I've got a story about how to give good advice when you're asked about guns. I've been trying to do that for 11 years, and I can honestly say I don't know all the answers. I try to uh, to accommodate everything. If I don't know the answer, I often will try to to look it up and let you know next week when you have a specific technical one, that type of thing. Um, let's see, what other stories was I going to get into today? I only got a minute or two left. Uh, let's see, Biden administration takes aim at firearms industry commercial exports. And I got an email on this. So they're now they're trying to cut the legs out from under people like SIG and, and Ruger and Winchester and Remington. If they're exporting firearms... Okay, why why are you doing that? You're trying to oh well no we get you can't send guns to other people around the world. Well yeah they can commercially we but we import a lot of guns from other companies and a lot of companies that are in the U.S. are foreign countries companies like uh, CZ USA Sig USA all these companies like this and I got an email on it from a person that said. Uh, a regular email person that says, hopefully all these guns that they can't export now will now be available to U.S. citizens at reasonable prices. <laughs> yeah, don't count on that with the Bidens, okay? Uh, let's see. The White House was outraged, outraged, I tell you, that the new speaker said guns don't kill people, people kill people. 
Boy, I got to say that, you know, that's just like, uh, and, and by the way, they're going after the, the gun companies and against the PLCAA, which is the uh, Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act, that, that says that uh, if you made a gun and you sold it legally to somebody who legally could possess it and somebody at a later time did something with that, it's not the gun company's fault. It's not Ford's co- fault when somebody drives drunk. It's not GM's fault when somebody drives too fast. It's not uh, Stellantis, I still can't say that, Chrysler's fault when uh, somebody accidentally hit somebody, okay? If the product was legal when it was sold, then the company is not uh, a target of litigation. So, at any rate, well, I was going to play Hail Purdue again, but there's no time left, so I'll just sing it to you. Well, no, I won't. Good luck to Purdue tonight. Good luck to the Michigan fans. This is Dick Cupkey at Trigger Talk Radio. See you next week.